Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports. This is the NFL Show, episode 12. Uh, my name's Dan Frost and I'm supported, as always, by the best panel uh, in the business. We have Beck, we have Alex, we have Stacey, we have Full House tonight. Guys, let's get straight into it because, you know, the NFL season is well underway. Things are very, very exciting uh, with a couple of weeks now in the books. But, Beck, we'll start with you. What was what was your sort of key takeaway, you know, the most impressive performance for you coming out of week two? Oh, I have to go straight to the Ravens. That game was just insane. The back and the forward, like Lamar Jackson, whoever said that he can't throw or he's not a good quarterback needs to go and watch that game. After throwing two picks in the first quarter or first half, one of them going for a pick six and then being able to bring his team back and get a win, it's just, yeah, that was insane. Yeah, and uh, I'll start off by saying gamble responsibly, but someone may have had a little punt on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So me and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are not exactly friends at the moment, but uh, no, he Lamar absolutely tore them to pieces. Uh, look, for me, I, I went with the Las Vegas Raiders. So they're the team that doesn't get a lot of love, but hey, in this new stadium... Uh, with Derek Carr 2.0, they have certainly started the season in the right way. And look, Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh, you know, Ben has probably, um, his, his best uh, football has clearly passed him, but still, you know, they have, uh, that you know, they're, they're a quality outfit and, and Raiders, um, yeah, they're outstanding. And they did it with no Josh Jacobs. Um, Darren Waller, I think he only had five targets. So um, yeah, Derek Carr really was outstanding in that one. Alex, uh, I think I know where you're going here, but uh, talk to us week two of the NFL. What was your, what was your key takeaway? At one point, we'll get through a podcast where I'm not talking about the Bears, but that's not going to happen this week. Um, but I got to give props to the Bears defense because the way they played week one against the Chargers was just horrendous. Um, it was not good. It was not fun to watch as a Bears fan. Um, so I was a little nervous getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning to kind of see what was going to happen. And, and for the Bears to play the way they did, and look, I'll say it, Andy Dalton, he played well. I got to give him that. He did really well while I was in there. So proud of Dalton sucks him got injured but the defense three picks along with a pick six come on like that is an impressive turnaround in a week yeah he definitely made it hard on Joe Burrows I I don't think he was exactly expecting that coming into uh, that game and uh, yeah a lot of pressure on him now coming off that ACL so um, you guys certainly no mercy uh, there for Joe Uh, Stace what about you for week two yeah Derek Henry's back to his old self Uh, you know the Titans upsetting the Seahawks sorry Beck um, you just monstered and, uh, you know, I've spoken about how Henry's run game isn't just one dimensional. You know, he caught a, actually caught a couple of passes, um, which is not usually in his arsenal. He dominated that big A gap to get the TD to tie the game. But again, I have to say it's his ability to be that big pounding power back. Um, but we saw him bend it. We saw him bounce it to the outside. And like I've said, it's where that's where he's dangerous. So you can't you can outside contain all you like as a linebacker or a DB, but he'll just give you that massive don't argue and take it over the line. So he's on track for a Hall of Fame performance, um, potentially another 2,000-yard season. Tony's guaranteed money every time. No defense can stop him. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, which is the breakdown. And as always, we pick out two feature games to uh, run our eyes over. Uh, And this week we have, well, two offensive powerhouses. 
It's do or die. One game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to, <laughs> went to plan at all. Um. And they run through our ass like sh- through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm with Nick Saban there. There's this, uh, this league of ours is definitely becoming an offensive league. Uh, it appears not many people are uh, yeah, stepping up in defense. And this week, it's going to be no different with the LA Chargers uh, one-on-one taking on the Kansas City, who have the same record. Uh, Alex, going to throw it straight to you. I mean, we're, we're immediately going to be looking at the quarterbacks because, um, you know, Justin Herbert coming up against Pat Mahomes, this is going to be some contest. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I, I think Mahomes edges um, the Chargers quarterback out a little bit, and Herbert, I just – I don't think the receiving game for the Chargers is there. And I don't think their running game is there. And maybe it was just kind of week two and, and the new defense they were playing against in Dallas. Maybe that's what kind of took them. I mean, to go from kind of the the passing game that they had against the Bears in week one, which was a significant win for them. And then to kind of go, I mean, they only lost by three. Um, but still, they they weren't getting touchdowns in first quarter or second quarter. Now they did hold Dallas scoreless in quarter two and quarter three so their defense was definitely a saving grace to them I think as far as week two goes but it's kind of night and day as far as those two performances go yeah, and I think there was several reasons to believe that like that game was going to be like an offensive showdown um you know and we've talked about the Dallas defense they, they weren't great um but it doesn't mean that the Chargers aren't capable of an upset against the Chiefs I don't think yeah, and one of the things I'm looking at, Beck, is um, some help for Herbert. And one of the things I like to see with these rookie QBs is a little bit of help in the running game. And he's just not quite getting that at the moment. So, you know, is, is that something that's on your radar? Yeah, it's interesting when you look at Austin Eckler because he is a running back, but he almost receives more than he does carry the ball. So I think that not having that support to be able to just hand the ball off and trust that your running back's going to get like a hard two, three yard run just to calm you down and give you a little bit of stability in the backfield um, is definitely going to affect her, but especially that it's his second year in the league as well. So he's still a pretty fresh quarterback. He's still learning the offense and still finding his way. But I think like, and exactly to your point, like that, they need that power back to be able to finish out those closed games. And and what we know about the Chargers is they cannot close when it comes to those tight windows. I don't think it needs to be a power back for say, but it just needs to be a back that's going to take more carries rather than receptions. Like it's going to be a back that's actually going to carry the ball more consistently than what Eckler is. Yeah. And Alex, I, I guess, you know, the running game might not be there and hopefully that's something they can address, but I'll tell you what is there, and that's that receiving call. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams because, you know, Justin Herbert, he hasn't been in the league for very long, but he's certainly, uh, you know, uh, I guess developed a bit of a combination with those guys. Yeah, definitely. I think that's shown kind of in his passing yards in the last two games. He threw for over 400 yards week two. He threw for over 300 yards week one. And he's putting up – and these guys are putting up, like, big numbers, and they're consistently putting up – you know, catches and and yards. And that's what you want in your receivers. So he's definitely got a pair of receivers that he has a cohesiveness with. But I think when that, when you go up against a team that has strong cornerbacks and is going to be able to track those two players down, I think as we've talked about, they need to move to their run game and they've only gone 65 and 78 yards as far as running, but also their penalties need to decrease, right? The 12 penalties week two and gave away 
by 99 yards. Like that is a lot of yardage to give away on penalties alone. And they totally, they were coach killers as well. You know, they were just simple things that you just have to go, man, what are you guys doing? But I, I feel like what the Chargers are doing is building this thing in the correct manner, right? You know, obviously from the offensive to defensive line, you've got the quarterback in place and there's enough veterans. And, you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of skill talent around Justin Herbert, new coaching staff, new vibe. But again, there's question marks around his decision-making. I'd like to see Herbert be a little more mobile than he actually is. I think with the line in front of him, and, and sometimes you kind of, you watch him play and you watch him sit in the park and you go, just move. Just move out of the way. Take a couple steps. Like he has an arm and he has receivers, but I don't know whether he trusts his legs. So if your running game's not working, and maybe your and your receivers are are, are covered in man to man, like you got to go get a first down. So I, I would like to see him move a little bit more, and I wonder if that fluidity in his play would help them. But I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we have seen him do it. He can move his legs. He rushed for a couple of hundred yards last year, but also he fumbled the ball eight times. So maybe he's very conscious of getting hit and fumbling the ball and wanting to secure that so he is staying in the comfort of the pocket. Yeah, and keep those good looks intact maybe. But, um, no, look, the Chargers, they're going to be it's certainly going to be interesting to watch, and I, and I think they're sort of that that new flashy team with the with the big up and coming quarterback. But when are they going to take that step to become a contender? And possibly this could be the game where they show that they, they mean business. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into the Kansas City Chiefs because not exactly the start to the season that I guess the Chiefs were looking for, coming off the loss in the Super Bowl. I mean, Pat Mahomes is doing everything he possibly can, but Alex, talk to us about this defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we talked about this when we talked about Kansas City, but it just goes to show these, you know, powerhouse teams, they're beatable in the right way. Right. And I think as we mentioned, where we talked about Kansas City, we mentioned that a weak spot for them is their front seven and their rush defense. It does not work in their favor. And they didn't do anything in the offseason to correct that. So when that's a weakness for you and you don't correct it in the offseason, it's going to be a weakness. And that was exposed in the run game in week two. They were exposed in that area. And I think that is going to be something that defensively they need to refine to be able to move on and keep progressing as the weeks go on. And I think that the more teams that start to realize that the key to beating the Chiefs is to isolate and destroy their linebacker core to make them make those wrong decisions. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it relies heavily on, you know, the readability, those zone option, those, um, you know, the, those, uh, those sweeping kind of plays that's really going to make the difference. But, I mean, you still have to give props to, you know, the honey badger, you know, Tyron Matthew, two picks, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely interesting, but I just think that you know Kansas City at the moment for me they they, they can't stop the run, they, they can't win in coverage, they can't pressure the quarterback, and and it seems like every week they're going to concede thirty points. Now, when you've got Matt, Pat, Pat Mahomes, who is a generational talent, and he's got his little mate Kelsey, I, I think that's you know that's okay, you know for for, for a few weeks, but. You know, where this team's headed and, and where they want to be in terms of becoming a Super, super Bowl contender, you have to get that addressed. Uh, it, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit puzzling that they've started off in this manner because um, Steve Spagnola, he's had this group together for a little while now as the DC. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit puzzling. And talking about that offensive crew, right, Emma Holmes and Kelsey, it was a shame to see Hill kind of as quiet as he was. Kelsey made his, his receptions when he needed to, but they were held scoreless in the fourth quarter. 
I can't remember the last time the Chiefs in the last at least two kind of three years that they've kind of been big players in the game have been held scoreless in the like in a quarter or even in the final quarter, right? They tend to be kind of fourth quarter team where they end up putting those few more numbers and touchdowns on the board because teams either give up or they just turn on like a third or fourth gear. But I was surprised to see a Baltimore Ravens defense, which isn't as strong in my opinion, hold the Kansas City Chiefs and an offensive powerhouse in Mahomes and Kelsey to nothing in the fourth quarter. And I think what the Ravens did that um, showed a little bit more success was that like that layered rush concept. So you're sending, you know, you've got your four receivers in press into coverage. Um, they're sending extras uh, and you, you've got to go like that. The secondary need to go and attack their corners as Mahomes starts to scramble. Like you just can't leave him roaming free because uh, we just know that that's how he makes uh, you know a whole heap of his plays. But, you know, if we're looking at, um, you know, if we're looking back at Kelsey, you know, the return of Derwin James for the Chargers is going to be a huge asset to the Chargers D because he's one of the only safeties that has a proven record of covering the Chiefs playmaker snap to snap. Adding pressure in that secondary to complement Joey Bosa in the rush, I think it's going to be key to shutting down this powerhouse. And I think stats are kind of a good one too. You look at the passing stats for Kansas City, it was 343. But then you look at their rush, it was 62. Like that is a, I mean, as we said, as Stacey just said, right, the key to kind of beating the Chiefs is exposing their weaknesses. And right now it's definitely their rush game and holding that up. And it's kind of attacking their rush defense as well. So Kansas City better <laughs> plug some holes there. Otherwise, teams are going to start to figure it out. Yeah, no, that's right. No, look, me, again, me and Clyde are not friends at the moment, but it was his uh, first uh, fumble. Uh, of the year, but yeah, just, just unable to run the football, Kansas City. So few issues there, not as invincible as we sort of thought um, coming into the season. All right, guys, time to tip this one. Beck, going to start with you. What's, uh, where are you going in this one? This is a tough one for me. Like when you look at these two teams, they're division rivals, right? So they come up against each other twice a year and um, it's always a close game. Like last year they met in week two and only the, Chargers only lost by a field goal, and that was with Herbert being a rookie and starting his first game in the NFL. So I'm going to back the Chargers. I think that their offense and Justin Herbert are going to take this one. I just I have a feeling that the defense from the Chargers just aren't going to be able to cover him and cover what he's doing in the league so far. So that's yeah, that's my choice. Yeah, look for me. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Kansas City, but I, I think. I think over seventy points is going to be scored in this game because, uh, and unless this is the this is the week that they get their defense addressed, I, I just see a ton of points and um, yeah, unable to back against Pat Mahomes uh, in this one. But uh, Alex, what's your thoughts on this one? I think this game is going to come down come down to in when you look at both teams, both of them have very little rushing yards. So I think it's one if one team's going to edge out, and I don't think it's going to be any more than probably a touchdown. Field goal to a touchdown. That's kind of my 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 range of score. But I do think it'll come down to whose run game is slightly more effective. And I don't think Kansas City is there. But I don't think the Chargers are there either. And I think Mahomes is going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I like Mahomes with a chip on his shoulder. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but only just. And Stacy does. Oh, and Stacy does the uh, yeah. Do the Chiefs lose two on the trot, or can? Or can uh, or, yeah, I, I, I guess I'll, or the charges. What's your what's your tip in this one? 
I've said from the very beginning, I think one of our first episodes, my prediction was don't sleep on the charges. Now, I still say that, but I think the Chiefs are going to take it out. But like Alex said, it's going to be close. And, and the key will be the next time that they face each other, which is in December, to take out the division, right? So Herbert's something special. And these early games just add to his like mental arsenal. You know, he's still only a second year, you know, quarterback and the ability to take key takeaways from this game and improve on them for the more crucial game at the end of the year, I think, is going to be a little bit more important. So I'm with Alex on this one. I'm going with the Chiefs, but I'm, I'm, I'm also within that small margin of a, a field goal or a touchdown. Yeah, I think it's going to be close too. It's just going to be 30 or 40 points for each uh, for each team. All right, Beck, we'll see uh, if, you, if you get the upset there with the Chargers. Now let's move on to our second feature game now, which, uh, speaking of Beck, is your team, the Seattle Seahawks, who are 1-1, one and one will be coming up against the very unlucky Minnesota Vikings, who are 0-2 but could certainly be 2-0. and uh, Beck, we've got to start with you on this one. Talk to us about your Hawks and, yeah, what's been a, a bit of an up-and-down start to the season. Oh, man, what, where to start? I mean, our offense is gelling. Like, we have some pretty amazing players on our offense. Like, don't underestimate Russell Wilson. He's, you know, an all-time pro bowler. He's MVP of the league. Like, he's just, you hear his name being yelled out every week for, you know, these 50, 60-yard deep throws or these scrambling plays that he just creates something out of nothing. Um, but then there's also his receivers that he's throwing these 60-yard passes to in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who are... Um, yeah, who are freak athletes. Like Tyler Lockett just gets open with the slightest step of a play in open field and DK is just massive for a receiver. Like how do you cover someone like that in open field, like one-on-one? He's huge. But I think like the story of the two of this season Seahawks offense is an interesting one and it's mainly due to Russell Wilson demanding a change of the philosophy from last year. Um, you know, so what they've done now is they're really, they're running an incredible amount of play action, more so than they ever have done before. You know, they're looking at 41% of their snaps, which is the second highest in the league. And if you consider that how mobile Russell Wilson is, um, you know, that offense should be firing, as you're saying, but, you know, you want to see some more production out of DK Metcalf, especially in this game. Yeah, I I agree. I think, DJ uh, DK Metcalf needed to have a much better game, but I mean the part the passing yards between Seahawks and Titans in week two were 320 even. Both quarterbacks had three sacks, and they were well. The Seahawks were four from twelve as far as third down goes, but the Titans were only six for fourteen. So they were pretty even as far as kind of teams go in that regard as far as stats. But I do think where Seahawks get ex exposed is when teams have a strong running game and I think that was shown against the Titans now I think where the Vikings don't really have that in a strong run game so I don't think they have to be super mindful of that going into week three but it was interesting when Seahawks had 77 rushing yards and Tennessee had 212 that hurts my heart it hurts 212 rushing yards I mean our D-line isn't that the strongest part of our defense like we've struggled the last few years to replace a couple of key players that have moved on. Um, And also in our secondary too, like our cornerbacks, we're still competing for starters. Like there's still a toss up between a couple of the corners, whether they'll get a start or the other one. And do you know what I mean? So our defense is just struggling in all positions at the moment. So the run game definitely hurts. 
And I think too, like, you know, the, in the last game against the Titans, the defense kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. And it's exactly like you were saying, you know, you, you, it's, it's a meshing problem. But I think that the key is Jamal Adams at that safety position for me, bringing him down into the box a little bit and throwing a little bit more of an interesting blitz package, um, you know, playing him a little bit more like a third linebacker, I think is, gonna, is really going to help with their defense against the Vikings. I agree. I, I would have liked to have seen Jamal Adams a little bit more in week two than I think we did, especially when he's such a key kind of component, especially when Wagner's doing the work. Like, Wagner got his sack in, in this game. Wagner's doing the work on that front. I think Jamal Adams needs to step up, step up and lead that secondary for the Seahawks. But I do want to point out they had 10 penalties for 100 yards. Like, that, that is going to kill you as the team goes. So they got to refine that. Yeah, no, and I think that's something that uh, Pete will be focusing in on uh, there as he, I, I don't know, like, does he, is that just a burn, the, the, the tape type of game after what Derek Henry did? Possibly, but um, yeah, all right, guys, well, let's have a look at uh, their opposition, the Minnesota Vikings, and, I, you know, I, I guess we've just got to feel a little bit of sympathy for these guys, because what a what a horrific start, I mean, you, you lose in overtime to the Bengals, you, you, you come up. Short, just that that kick last week against the Cardinals. I mean, everyone was, uh, yeah, that that was that was a bit of a heartbreaker. But uh, Beck, you're gonna gonna start with you. Any sympathy for uh, the, the Vikings? Because yeah, what a start! I want to. I mean, I do. Like, I have this one memory of Kirk Cousins, and it's when he was playing back for Washington, and there was like six seconds left in the half, and he's gone to spike the ball to stop the clock, but instead he's kneeled the ball and ran the clock out for the half. And since then, I've just, for some reason, I just don't rate Kirk Cousins. Like, I don't see him as this leading team quarterback, this playoff quarterback. Like, he's just, I don't know. But he he still puts up stats. But just for some reason, that memory just, yeah, it gets me. Yeah, and we've talked about Cousins before, right? When we were comparing him with Derek Carr and we talked but they're kind of like the vanilla ice cream of quarterbacks. And, and he is that. Like, he's not nothing really special. He doesn't put any, any kind of big numbers up. I did. I was impressed to see the improvement in their O-line as far as week two goes. Week three, they allowed three sacks for 26 yards. Like, that's, that's quite a loss in yardage as far as sacks goes. They only allowed one for two yards week two. So that's an impressive step up, especially when Kurt Cousins likes to kind of sit in the pocket and throw. I just don't think his receivers are doing him any favors. Uh, I completely agree. Completely agree. But, you know, you have to say that the end of that game was the most Vikings thing that could have happened. Like, you know, to, to have it go so close and, you know, the situation was that they declined a penalty that actually puts them further and closer to getting that field goal, which they declined and then they missed the field goal. They have, they've never had a luck with any luck with their kickers. And I think that that's actually a really important thing that they need to fix in this situation. But, um, you know, it's, it's really the O-line that is the issue here for Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's that interior that's been responsible for allowing those, those sacks on Cousins. And, you know, those sacks might be on Cousins for holding the ball a little bit too long, but it's, it's definitely evident that, that the Vikings need to upgrade certain spots on that O-line. Yeah, uh, 100%. But I also think their defense isn't really helping them. Their defense has kind of let, in the last two weeks, has let over kind of close to 500 yards get thrown on them alone. Just thrown. 
and over 200 yards kind of rushing. So I think that secondary really needs to improve for Cousins in their offensive game. Because at the end of the day, if you can't stop the pass and you're not really stopping the run, what, what do you have? Well, that's true. And, and you know, I guess if you're looking at the Vikings as their offensive philosophy, they run a pretty heavy play-action passing concept and a lot of, like, wide zone stretch kind of plays that allows, like, Dalvin Cook especially to get to that outside. And against the Seahawks, who are currently having a little bit of issues um, keeping that outside containment, I think that's where they need to go. They're going to be more aggressive passing earlier in the game to shake things up again uh, a little bit and get – cousins some rhythm because I think the key to the success of the Vikings offense is so reliant on the play of the defense yeah definitely got to be one to watch and I I think yeah a a couple of key takeaways for the Vikings I think exactly right you know what what you guys said about the defense I think Mike Zimmer you know he came out and he was very upfront and honest about you know he said it was the worst defensive team that he's ever had in his entire coaching career last year um, so he put a lot of pressure on himself and the franchise in terms of rebuilding it. So, um, you know, to, to, to have sort of gone through that, um, you know, hopefully they can sort of address it quickly because it hasn't been the best start. Uh, Dalvin Cook, obviously, is a big part of it. And the other one I wanted to mention was Justin Jefferson. So obviously he came out, new shiny toy. He really showed the league. But, you know, you've got to back it up in that sophomore year. So let's see how um, what he can do. Um, all right, guys. Well, let's just do a quick round the grounds on some tips with this one. Stacey, going to start with you. Yeah, look, it's, I mean, the stats show that there's a margin, margin difference between these two teams. Like you're looking at Seahawks coming in um, with the win at like 50.5%, right? So I think it could go either way. And if you're looking at those situations when those margins are so tight, it has to come down to your special teams. And given what we know about the Vikings and their lack of kicking ability, I think the Seahawks take it out. Yeah, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a big game uh, for Justin Jefferson. I think he run. I think he gets over 100 yards. I think this is uh, yeah a, a big game for Dalvin Cook. I think he's in for a monster performance. So I've got the Vikings in an upset here. Uh, Beck is uh, not too happy with that prediction. Beck, we know where you're going, but tell us why the Seahawks will win this game. Uh, it's pretty obvious. Yes, I'm picking the Seahawks. I'll always back my Hawks. Um, but I just think that we're going to um, hopefully our receivers will have good games. DK will come back from last week and learn from what he did wrong and how to step up this week and have a good game against their secondary because they only have Patrick Peterson. Um, and I don't think that's enough to stop these two receivers and Russell Wilson passing the ball. And Alex, round us out. What's your thoughts on this one? Seattle, Minnesota. I agree with that. I don't think the Vikings have the cornerback pairing that they need to be able to stop Metcalf and, and lock it. I just don't think that's going to work. And I think that works in Seattle's favor. So, and with Russell Wilson, uh, I think, you know, he, he's got an arm and a half and he's always fun to watch. So with me, I got to go with the Seahawks on this one. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, and we're getting a lot of positive feedback about this, is where we round out the rest of the uh, the games uh, for for the round. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, people have, have sort of, uh, you know, provided their feedback. They're, they're happy that all of their teams get covered, but we definitely need to run through them quite quickly. Alex, let's start with your batch of games. You've got some, you've got some interesting ones there. 
Yeah, I feel like I got kind of like the tight games this week, or this is just a week where we've got really, really tight games. But um, first game on my list is Texans Panthers. Look, great performance for week two from the Panthers. I think Sam Donald's in a great system as far as the Panthers go with Taylor kind of out and questionable for week three. I think that's going to struggle for the Texans. So I see the Panthers taking that one out. Um, Jaguars Cardinals. Look, the Jags, they're the Jags. They're on two. They're struggling. Trevor Lawrence is getting a little bit better week in and week out, but Kyle Amari is having himself for the first two weeks. Like this guy is putting up some amazing throws and catches. Um, you know, he's got, four touchdowns only one, and only three interceptions where, you know, Lawrence has five interceptions through the first two weeks. So I think he might be leading interceptions if, if I'm not wrong there. So that's a little bit of a hard one to come back, come back from. Um, but I see Cardinals taking that game out. Bears Browns. Ooh, ooh. I, this one, I went backwards and forwards on. I just, I don't know. Would I love to see Baker Mayfield throwing a tantrum on the field again because the Bears beat him? Absolutely. Um, But I just think as far as kind of their offensive line and the way their defense has been set up, I think it's going to be close. And I would love to say the Bears and I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I just think the Browns will edge it out. Even with, I think, but what, what does it come down to? Like is Justin Fields starting now with Andy Dalton potentially injured? Cause I think, you know, we've spoken about the Browns secondary before and how amazing they are. How's Fields going to come up against that? Well, I think with a run game, like that's going to be hard, right? They're going to have to utilize him running a little bit more. They're going to have to utilize Montgomery running a little bit more. But that front seven for the Browns has been quietly improved as far as the offseason goes. So I think that's going to be a struggle for them as well. So I don't see the the Bears being able to pull it out unless there's some significant injuries in week over the week for the Browns. And I just don't see that happening. So I see the Browns pulling that one out. Bills, Washington, great to see kind of the Bills bounce back week two and absolutely thwart Miami. Um, What was interesting, though, is that the defense still allowed quite a few passing yards to go down as well as rushing yards. To hold Miami scoreless, they were still able to throw the ball. They were just 0-3 as far as the red zone goes. So, I mean, with Heineke putting up decent numbers, you know, I just don't think that they have the defense and the offense to kind of work with it. I think their defense has been a little quiet. You know, I'd like to see um, Chase Young a little bit more as far as Washington defense goes, but I see the Bills pulling this one out just because I think they're on a momentum swing right now. And um, Titans-Colts, this is going to be my underdog pick, but I could see the Colts edging out the Titans on this one. I think even with Carson Wentz out, I don't mind their backup quarterback um, in East Earson. I think he's a, he's not bad, and I think he's going to get some good reps. I just don't – I think they can stop the run game um, because the defense is only – well, they've allowed over 100 rushing yards um, as far as kind of the last two weeks goes. But I think if they're going to beat the Titans, they've got to strengthen that up. But I could see them pulling off a win by three – or even going into an overtime. Yeah, I like it. And it'll be good to get a little bit more tape on uh, Eason because uh, he's got a hell of a la- uh, he's got a hell of an arm. I mean, he's not mobile, but uh, no, he can definitely uh, definitely put on a performance. One to watch. All right, Stace, uh, run us through your games. Yeah, first game up for me is Patriots Saints, and uh, I'm comfortably taking the Patriots on this one. Um, I think the idea of Jameis Winston who, you know, had such an amazing week one and then just went back to his old self in week two. 
Um, I think him coming up against the Belichick defense should worry Saints fans for sure. And I think that the game here is going to be Ken Mac Jones score on the Saints defense um, because I just don't think that the offense from the Saints can get it done, especially at home in Foxborough um, with that home field advantage. So I'm taking the Patriots on that one. Um, next one for me is Giants Falcons. You know, this is a hard one because it's it's kind of like a little bit of a dumpster fire game. Um, but, you know, uh, the Giants, they're favoured to win. And that's unusual. But against a 0-2 Atlanta, I mean, it's entirely possible. And the Heat's kind of on the Giants now that they've started 0-2. Can Daniel Jones finally get a win over the Falcons? And I just can't back Matty Ice after that 28-3 to blown lead in the Super Bowl. I don't think I'll ever be able to back Matty Ice after that. So I'm, I'm taking the Giants, but it's going to be close. And then I've got Steelers-Bengals. Now, this game is going to be fascinating because no one thought that the Raiders could have gotten over the Steelers. I mean, so that was a sticking point for me this week with my multi. Also, no TJ Watt this week, which is a really key, you know, he's a really key player on that defense. Bengals obviously haven't had an ideal start for Joe Burrow, but they haven't, they've, been, they've played pretty good defense. And the Steelers just did not look good on the weekend. And I, but... That said, I still pick them to get the edge over the Bengals, and it's going to be tight. Yeah, and who's your underdog of the week in that one? Oh, I mean, can't, can't, can't. I have, I have no underdog in this round. Okay, I can't. We've... There is none. I mean, the Giants are favoured. And so for our, for our punters out there, the Falcons are probably, is that probably the closest game? Yeah, I think it's going to have to be. Yeah, yeah. They, they are historically terrible uh, in defense, but hopefully uh, they can get that offense going. All right, I'm uh, moving through to my games now. So I've got the Detroit Lions coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. That will be a complete massacre. Um, so Lamar Jackson has definitely found his groove, but it'll also give the Ravens the opportunity to try a few things. So I don't think it'll be a complete performance, but I think that'll be a little bit deliberate in design. Baltimore might want to get a little bit creative and show off um, a few different things, both in offense and defense. So yeah, I think uh, Ravens will win that one comfortably. Uh, the next game, the Broncos coming up against the Jets. The Broncos have been uh, one of the surprise teams so far uh, this season. Their defense is legit. They are actually they are you know one of the best defenses in the NFL, and they're coming up against the uh, well coming up against a rookie uh, QB in Zach Wilson who had his horror seeing ghosts moment last week against the Patriots. Well, unfortunately, I think he's going to be seeing ghosts uh, two weeks in a row. So I have the Broncos winning that one comfortably. And then if we move through to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, so again, another surprising team, really high-powered team. They're coming up against the Miami Dolphins. I actually have Miami uh, here in a bit of an upset. I think Tua's in doubt for this game. It could actually be the backup QB in uh, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, But I just feel like the the, the Dolphins are a... Well, they're a very well-coached team under Brian Flores, and I just don't quite trust the Raiders yet. These are the games that they typically... These are the banana um, peel games where they usually slip over. So, you know, they maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I've got Miami there as a bit of an upset. All right, Beck, uh, finish this out with your games. Yeah, I feel like I got the same kind of matchup as Barker. Like, a lot of my teams are going to be really close games, starting with the Rams and the Bucks. Like... Rams are proving to be a team not to mess with this year. Like who would have thought that the moving of Matt Stafford would re-transform their whole offense? Like it's completely shocked me. But let's not forget the Super Bowl champions in the box and they're starting their season exactly the way that they finished it last year. Um, So I'm going to pick the box and back them to win this one. Um, But I think it's going to be a close one again. I don't think... um, 
they're going to blow out the Rams because the Rams have a pretty impressive defense as well. Um, And then I have the 49ers and the Packers. Um, Another two teams who are showing, you know, they're here to win games. Um, I feel like the 49ers are in like a good rhythm as much as it pains me to say that because they are a division rival of the Seahawks and I hate seeing them win, but I think they're going to take it out this week and go 3-0 into week four. And then last up, I have the Cowboys and the Eagles. Both these teams have really impressed me. Like I never expected Dak to come out looking even better than he did before this massive ankle injury. Like I thought it would hinder him a little bit, but it hasn't. He's just gone straight back into the strive of throwing and running and moving in the pocket. Um, And let's not forget their receiving core as well, who's pretty amazing. Um, And I like their rookie, Micah Parsons, who's, Moved to D-line this week and still had an awesome game. So, yeah, I think um, I'm back in the Cowboys and they are the underdog this week. The Eagles are the favourites for this game, but I think the Cowboys are going to take it. Yeah, absolutely. I I think they've got a pretty pricey backup running back there in Ezekiel Elliott because, um, you know, the fact that, the fact that Tony Pollard is sort of, you know, he, he's sort of creeping up there with his touches. But, um, no, you're exactly right. Dak has uh, been very, very impressive. So, no, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch there. And, and Dallas v. Philadelphia, that, those, both, those, both of those franchises hate each other. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of, uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of fight in both of those teams. All right, well, that's all the time we have uh, tonight. just want to thank my amazing panel as they always bring the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really hope you uh, enjoyed our episode. If you did, please download the podcast, share with family and friends, and please find us on social media. We're available on all platforms. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.